You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. This will be the last message out of 1 Thessalonians, living in light of the last days. So um, we made it. Yeah, there's questions. I understand. I've earned it. He's now giving the, the postscript to this letter. And i be completely honest with you, I was thinking about just skipping these verses. I was planning on starting in 2 Thessalonians tonight, and I did just a little bit of looking before I did, and then the Lord just strongly encouraged my heart to say, boy, this is worth finishing, and we should know that, right? Every word of God is worth finishing, but uh, I just thought, well, this part we can just kind of skip. We can just read it and get the point. But uh, anyway, the Lord directed my heart differently. Hey, how do you feel about asking for prayer about things for yourself? How do you feel about asking people to pray for you? Uh, you know, can it be, I mean, it's easy to say, hey, will you pray for this person or this other situation? But sometimes to say, hey, pray for me is, um, you know, it can be kind of a humbling thing. Uh, and, and, you know, some people have the wrong idea of prayer also, depending on their tradition. Uh, as, a, as a chaplain, uh, when, I was a, when I was a hospital chaplain, when I lived in Pierre, uh, one of the things I would do on the night that I was on call is I would go around that evening for people that were going to be having surgery the next, the next morning. And I would go in and I would, I would offer to pray with them. And uh, people, I think it was especially people from like a Catholic background, uh, they saw me coming in to pray and their eyes would just get big as saucers and they would say, uh, it's just a knee surgery. You know, I think they thought I was coming in like to give last rites or something. Uh, but it's like, no, no, I'm not praying because I think you're going to die. Uh, so I just want to pray that the surgery goes well. But that's where this starts. And so... Paul says here in verse 25, brethren, pray for us. Brethren, pray for us. And so, again, I want to emphasize how cool it is that in living in light of the last days that the Lord is, folks, the Lord is coming again. He promised He'd come the first time, and He did. He promised that He would die and that He would rise again, and He did, and He is indeed coming again. But I'm just struck by the pra how practical Paul's admonitions are in light of the Lord's return. And Paul says, brethren, Pray for us. So the very first thing in the context of this, pray for us. Number one, he said pray for us. So that includes Paul as well as Silas and Timothy, his co-laborers. And it's interesting how often that Paul, Paul it was Paul was never a one-man show. We could get that idea, but you don't really get that idea from a careful reading of Scripture. Because if you have a careful reading of Scripture, you know Paul was always had people with him. So he said, pray for us, pray for me, pray for Silas, pray for Timothy. Those were the guys that first went into Thessalonica when we very first started the book. He asked, and he does this not only in Thessalonians, many times he asked people to pray for him. And so Paul said for, to, to pray for me. And so here he is as a preacher and in a sense as a pastor that started this church. So by implication... There's the implication of me as a pastor saying, pray for me. Pray for me. Um, 
And he says a couple other things here. First of all, he said, brethren, pray for us. That underscores the affection as well as the relation. Brethren, brethren, pray for us. So brethren speaks not just of the men, but it's a general term, but it speaks of those that have been born again. Jesus said you must be born again. We were all born physically the first time, but we must be born again the second time if we would see the kingdom of God. Um, so again, he's praying for all of these men. He, but here's the cool thing. He's saying pray for, pray for us, pray for me. But in 1 Thessalonians 1, 2, he says, We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. So Paul's saying, hey, pray for us, pray for me. But he started the letter off by saying, I want you to know I'm praying for you. And I can say just real personal tonight, I'm praying for you. Uh, I have a prayer list at home, and I don't necessarily have to have the prayer list to remember to pray for you. But uh, I'm praying for you. I'm looking at some of you tonight. I'm praying for your kids. And, and we don't talk about it that much, and we don't hear the kids' names any much, that, that, that much. But I'm praying for your children, and I'm praying for the different needs and friends and maybe parents. And uh, some, I think about some of the teenagers. I'm praying for siblings, and I'm praying for parents and, uh, and so forth. I'm praying for you. So Paul says, I'm praying for you. Would you pray for me? And I want to circle back around to that in just a moment. As Ryan mentioned, we're going to be talking about that just a little bit more tonight. But I want to, I want to look at the rest of the verses and then circle back around. Look at verse 26. So the first thing he says is pray for us. Secondly, he says, greet all the brethren with an holy kiss. So we're going to save that one for later too. <laughs> greet all the, the brethren with a holy kiss. So God wants us to display loving affection one toward another. To greet conveys the intention of a friendly and righteous gesture as opposed to a formal and reserved acknowledgement. Uh, we ought to be, I'm happy when I see y'all. How about, how about you? I'm happy. I love coming to church. I love seeing you. I love seeing you outside of church. And so we greet one another. And it's not like, hello, how are you today? Like a, a formal thing. Well, I guess I have to do it because they're here and it's required. No, it's, it's a greeting. It's an, it's an informal, man, how's it going, man? Good to see you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. It says, greet all the brethren. Greet the brethren with the holy kiss. So this does not leave out the people that were talked about earlier in this same chapter. He talked about some people who were unruly. Some people who were unruly. He said, greet them. Be happy to see them. Amen. Greet them just the same. Now, we won't get much into the culture of the kissing part tonight, but obviously it was customary in Paul's day for people to kiss superiors or rulers. They would kiss hands. They would kiss, or kiss uh, knees. They would kiss feet and so forth. We obviously don't do that today. Uh, as American, we're not kissing anybody's feet, are we? By golly. Uh, we're not bowing down for any of that. But, but uh, then also, not just then, but even in, our, in certain places in the East to this day, people still kiss uh, one another. People still greet one another with a kiss. Now, we are not looking to reinstitute that tonight. That's something that fell away. I, I read that it was customary in churches up until about the third century and uh, A.D. and then just kind of began to fade, whatever. Uh, I don't think it's too huge of a deal, but I think the, the definite idea there is for sure that we ought to be happy to see one another, greet one another with a holy kiss. Uh, for us, it's more of a handshake, uh, you know, I... With, with the kids, you know, some, some kids I have different handshakes for and everything. 
and you know, but but whatever it is, man, you know, dap each other up. I mean, you know, give each other skin, just whatever it is. Some people like to hug. Some people don't like to hug. Uh, if you're a hugger and you hug somebody, anybody ever do that? Anybody huggers in here? Are you, are you a hugger that's ever hugged somebody that's uh, not a hugger? Oh my goodness. Woo, that's awkward. It's like, oh, I forgot you don't hug Mr. Tree. Um, hey, I'll tell you one of my favorite things I remember. Chad, you're not a big hugger, are you? But you don't know something? This always stands out in my mind. Uh, I don't know if you'll remember it or not, and I don't want to embarrass you. I don't care if I embarrass you or not, I guess. But our first service coming back after COVID, I don't know if Chad will remember it or not, but our first service coming back after COVID Chad was here along with many, many others, uh, but Chad came up and gave me a big old hug. Uh, only time, uh, only times, that was the only time up to that point has been the only time since then. But I tell you, I guess for a guy that's not a hugger, you remember that. And it's like, man, that's cool. And it's cool. You don't have to be a hugger. All right. You don't have to be a hugger. But, uh, or anything, but, but, but greet one another, uh, he says. I mean, the, the, the affection, man. And I, I think that's one of the great things about this church is that we love one another. We genuinely care about each other. We're happy to see each other. And we like to greet one another. We like to show affection one toward another. And again, I'm, uh, you know, there's, they said the reason, at least I read, that one of the reasons that the kissing fell out historically is that people started abusing it. And I don't know what that means. I guess I could, could guess. Uh, but, <laughs> but regardless of that, uh, maybe a good reason not to do it. But I was just thinking, like, e even with the hugging and everything, you know, I, I think that there's got to be uh, some, some wisdom, even on how you do that. But anyway, but definitely greet one another, be affectionate toward one another, care about each other. And, and again, sometimes you can show that affection just through words and attention and uh, being interested in somebody's day and, and genuinely interested in somebody, how, how they're doing, just displaying uh, love. So, uh, so one thing he says there is that we should uh, pray, and, is, and, and particularly pray for the pastor. Number two, love one another. Number three, stay in the word. Notice verse 27. The Bible says, I charge you by the word by, by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. I charge you. So that charging right there is a strong word that means to bind with an oath. And then to read connotes reading aloud in public worship service. So he was commanding that this epistle be read out loud in the service. And uh, so stay in the word. We need to stay in the word of God. And then number four, verse 28 he said, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. So his last prayer is that they would be guided by grace. Paul ended, Paul began and ended all of his epistles with grace, with divine grace. Because grace is at the heart of Christian theology. Grace summarizes all that God has done for believers in Jesus Christ. Grace means favor or kindness, especially God's kindness to man in providing for his spiritual needs in Christ. Do we still need our spiritual needs provided for in Christ? We need grace. Thence it comes to signify God's good gifts to men and the attitude of thankfulness which all this awakes within the Christian. All used in greetings, it is the free gift, or as used in greetings, it is the free gift of God that is meant. 
But the word necessarily evokes memories of the free gift on Calvary. It is the grace of the Lord which lingers in the apostles' thoughts as he closes letters, just as it is the grace of the Lord which he begins his letters. I still believe in the grace of God. We need, we need God's grace every single day. We're saved by grace through faith. We're saved because of God's favor. We're saved because of God's kindness, God's love for us. God's love and grace is demonstrated because... You, you think about it this way, and I'll circle back around. It'll probably be my last point. But you know, in order to be able to enter into God's presence, you have to be perfect. That's a requirement. But that also kind of presents a problem, doesn't it? Well, none of us are perfect, preacher. How are we going to get to heaven? Well, here's the good thing. Here's what Jesus did on the cross. This is grace. Jesus took all of our sin and imperfection upon himself. And then in salvation, he says, okay, this is the whole reason he went to the cross. Because he gives us his righteousness. We are justified. We are made perfect in Christ. Therefore, able to enter, enter heaven. Nothing in my hands I bring, the song says, simply to thy cross I cling. So the answer to get into heaven, the answer to know God, the answer to have your sins forgiven is Jesus. And that's grace. Because we can't earn it, we don't deserve it, we weren't looking for it. And now somebody says, I was looking for God, or I was searching for God, or I was seeking after God. I don't know, there, there may be some of you today that felt like you were seeking after God. And you may have been. You say, well, you just said nobody does. Well, what it is, is sometimes you thought you were seeking after God, but what you find out is He was seeking after you first, <laughs> the whole time. In fact, the reason you ever got interested in God in the first place is because God, all, God Almighty, man, I just can't emphasize that enough. The creator of the universe, Ryan, the one who made the trees and the stars and the everything, God Almighty, he loves you. And I'm glad he will come to wherever you are. Amen. Amen. In his grace. And give you the opportunity for to, to, to know him as Savior. Do you know him today? If you don't, you can know him today. And I'll close on that same thought. I, but my thought tonight was uh, with going back to Paul's request here. I want to look at a couple different times that Paul and specific things that Paul requested prayer for as a preacher that I want to ask you to pray for me about. So, 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 and, and so I titled the message, That Guy Needs Prayer. <laughs> and I kind of did it that way because if you know me, you can say, man, that guy needs prayer, right? Uh, I need prayer, and I really do, in, in, in the most desperate way. I need prayer. Pray for the pastor. In 2 Corinthians eleven twenty nine, 29, Paul says, Who is weak that I am not weak? And if you go look in 2 Corinthians 11, he's going through tough times he's gone through. I mean, physical persecutions, uh, internal struggles and stress and cares and anxiety that's he ha that he's had to endure. He feels the need for prayer. The circumstances which surround him at Corinth are by no means easy. Besides, he, along with Silas and Timothy are believers, they are believers in the efficacy of prayer. If you'll just allow me to, I, I found these words from a 19th century Presbyterian pastor that I thought put it better than I can put it myself. The need to pray for the pastor. And here's what he said. 
Oh, it is a fearful expense that ministers are ever allowed to enter the pulpit without being preceded, accompanied, and followed by the earnest prayer of the churches. I'll pause right there quickly to say Spurgeon would not stand and preach. Anytime Spurgeon, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the famous uh, English preacher, would stand to preach, I believe there was no less than 40 men in a room under the pulpit praying the entire time he preached. I believe if you go back and look at uh, some of the old evangelists, and some of their names are escaping my mind at the moment, but they would come into a town to hold a, uh, a revival, a, a crusade, you know, that they were going to present a gospel. But before they came, they would send some men ahead of them a week or two in advance that would just come and pray every single day for a week or two before they came preaching the word. But he's saying it's, it, it's, it's a fearful thing to think about preachers going into the pulpit without these prayers. So he continues and said, It's no marvel that the pulpit is so powerless and the ministers are often so disheartened when, when there are so few to hold up their hands. The consequence of neglecting this duty is seen and felt in the spiritual decline of the churches. And it will be seen and felt in the everlasting perdition of men while the consequences of regarding it would be the ingathering of multitudes into the kingdom of God and new glories to the Lamb of God that was slain. On His behalf, therefore, and on the behalf of His beloved and respected brethren in the ministry, the writer would crave an interest, uh, an interest in the prayers of all who love the Savior and the souls of men. We are the dispensers of God's truth and at best fall far below our mighty theme. The duties of our calling return upon us every returning week and day. They often come upon, come upon us with many and conflicting demands. They sometimes put a demand on our thoughts and at the very time when we have lost the power of thinking. And sometimes they call for all the intensity and strength of our affections just at the time when we are at the least capable of expressing them. There is also associated with these demands that pressing distress, the decaying anxiety which exhausts our vigor, crippling our courage, and drinks up our spirits. And then in addition to all this, there are so many disappointments in our work that we desperately need the sympathy and comfort of the prayers of God's faithful people. So, brethren, pray for us. I thought those words were put very well. Now, just to notice a few things that Paul requested specifically. Number one, he, had a, he requested prayer for safety. In 2 Thessalonians 3, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says, Finally, brethren, pray for us, and I skipped here, I'll come back to these, that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. Pray for your pastor's safety. Now, we still live in a country to where my safety is not as much a concern as it would have been Paul and Timothy and Silas's safety, um, at least to this point. But, you know, it's, it's interesting that the, the church seems to be the, one of the last lines of defense as far as standing for the truth and, uh, and, and, and preaching the truth in love. But even preaching the truth in love, it's not being received very well uh, in for some in the world today. But he, he, he prayed for uh, safety there. Uh, we could pray that probably more so for uh, some of our missionaries that are in countries to where there's, uh, there's the threat of violence and danger and even death. 
We have one missionary that was taken hostage, uh, you know, what was it, a year or so ago, and we have others that, uh, both in Africa, another in Ghana, to where there's often terrorists and so forth sweeping the countryside. But pray for the pastor's safety. Number two, he, re he requested uh, prayer for wisdom and service. In Romans 15, 31, he says that my service, which I have for Jerusalem, it may be accepted of the saints. Paul coveted prayers for his wisdom, for wisdom to administer and plan effectively. Now, for him, he had a plan. He was out raising money that he was trying to bring back to the poor saints in Jerusalem. But still, he was, he was planning and he was trying to be effective in his administration and his planning. And pastors need to make good leadership decisions and exercise decisions in judgment and wise judgment in resolving potential conflicts. So, you know, I think about some of these things because it could be easy, maybe easy to say, Ralph, man, pastor's not been hitting on much here lately. Well, that might be so, but tell the Lord about it. Amen. Pray for me. Um, and you might say, man, I'm not sure about the decision. Pray for me. I mean, seriously, pray for me. So pray for wisdom and service. Number three, pray that their pastor's future plans and priorities are consistent with God's will for him. This goes with some of the vision casting that as a pastor I'm responsible for. Romans 15, 32, that I may come unto you with joy by the will of God and may with you be refreshed. Uh, he was wanting to come to Rome. That was his plan. He, was, he had a plan. He had a, he had a future. He had a goal. He came to Rome, but he didn't come to Rome as a free man. He came as a prisoner. Pastors have desires and visions for future ministry. And like Paul, they need the encouragement that can result from believing prayer. That God in His providence will fulfill those plans. And, um, oh, then this one. Then I got one more after this one and I'll be done. Number four, pray, he, he, he wants prayer that God would spiritually strengthen the pastor and allow him to minister with integrity. He said this, Hebrews 13, 18, Pray for us, for we trust we have, have a good conscience in all things, willing to live honest, honestly. So he said, pray for us that we can be men of integrity, that we can guard ourselves. You ever heard about being a castaway? Anybody knows what it means to be a castaway? But from the biblical standpoint, not the, not the movie picture or whatever. Um... Here's the picture of being a castaway from the biblical standpoint. I'll read the verse. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. All right? Interesting verse. And you think, well, that's interesting. Is he on a boat? Well, he was a castaway in some ways many times. But what he's talking about there is literally the idea is being disapproved. In other words, I don't want to have preached to other people about living for God and living in victory and then I myself one day be found not to be living up to what I've been preaching and telling people. I want to be approved, not disapproved uh, when it comes to that which I've been preaching. In other words, I want my life to be consistent with that which I'm preaching. So prayers for that because your pastor is a man. Um, all right, but then the very last thing, and then I, I think this is, this is where I want to close and home back in on the gospel a little bit. Pray for their, the pastor's effectiveness in preaching the Word of God. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the Word of the Lord may have free course 
and be glorified even as it is with you. For all men have not faith. So here's where it is. Pray for me. Why? Because every time I get up in this pulpit, no matter what I'm preaching, just like the Apostle Paul started with grace and ended with grace, well, I want to start with grace and end with grace. Every time I get up here to preach, listen, I'm assuming that I'm preaching to somebody who does not yet have faith. In other words, someone who does not yet know Christ. Pray that the Word of God will have free course. That the Word of God can work in someone's heart. Because remember what, Satan, what, what God said, what Jesus said in the parable of the sower? That Satan and his demons would try to do when the Word of, word of God, the seed of God's Word was sown? What was it? Those birds, he, he, he compared it to, to seed being cast out and how the birds would come out and try to eat the seed before it had time to take root. He said, pray for me because I'm going to be up here preaching to somebody who doesn't know Jesus. And I need the word of, the God, word of God to effectively enter their hearts. I need God's word to have free course. So he said, pray for me, pray for me, because preaching the gospel, man, among everything else we do, that's the key thing. The Great Commission, we, we, we at this church, I mean, that's our goal is wrapped up in the Great Commission. Go forth and preach the gospel to every creature. But he says, of course, teaching all men, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things. But it starts with evangelism. It starts with someone sharing the word of God and them trusting Christ as Savior. So pray as the, the gospel is preached. He goes on to say, with all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds. I want utterance. Pray God that can open up my mouth and let me speak clearly the mystery of Christ. Let me get the gospel because people stumble over the grace of God, don't they? The, 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 the mystery, the simplicity of salvation. Some people stumble over that. That's a mystery to some. Like, it can't be that easy. You know, well, it is. And, and let me see. I mean, and so it says, well, it's free. It's free. But it wasn't cheap. It wasn't cheap. It cost the very, it cost the very lifeblood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It cost him, it cost God his son. It cost Jesus Christ laying down his life. He did it for you because he loves you. It cost that. But it's a mystery. Wait, you, mean, you just simply mean by putting my faith and trust in Him, and, and then, then there's the struggle that people have, right? This is why I pray. Pray. Pray before every service. Pray during the service. Uh, Ryan was given FCA today, and, and, and half the time uh, one of the coaches was talking to me while Ryan was given FCA, given the message at FCA. Uh, but it was cool because he's just like, man, if you want to start getting, he said, maybe this coming season, if you want to do two, three, four days a week with the football team, whatever you want to do. And I'm like, oh boy. Um, so it's good stuff, right? But then toward the end, uh, I heard Ryan kind of getting more toward dealing with the gospel. And we had stopped talking. And so while, while Ryan's up there, guess what I'm doing? I'm praying for Ryan. That God will give him utterance. He's trying to share the word of God. I'm praying for the hearts of those. But why? Because I want people to understand that. Because some people think just because they believe God up here. The Bible says the devils also believe and tremble. But to believe from your heart just simply means to fully trust in him. It means to fully trust in what Jesus did for you. 
and just believe that. Put your faith and trust, saying, I'm not, and you know, I said earlier, nothing in my hands I bring. It's not based on our works. If there was any, if there was one other thing that somebody could do to get to heaven besides the cross, the cross would have been totally pointless. There's not one other thing, folks. It is the cross. It's Calvary. And to think, man, He loves you this much, amen? And He loves me this much. But it's communicating that to people and, and praying, get, praying that the Word of God will work because what happens is the Word of God works and the Spirit of God works to bring forth a new birth, to bring someone to Christ. So it says, pray for me as I give the mystery of Christ. And then in Ephesians 6, 19, he says, pray for, and for me, he'd already mentioned prayer, and for me that utterance may be given unto me that I may open up my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. That I may make, open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. So I believe among everything else you can pray, pray all these other things for me, pray for me, I need it. Um, you know, and it's funny, it's just like a couple weeks ago whenever uh, I couldn't hardly find my way to Lyons, Nebraska, for one thing. I couldn't hardly find my way out of uh, Dakota City. And then, uh, and then, of course, we get down to where we're going a couple weeks earlier, and then Chad says, man, we're doomed. Uh, he said, we're doomed. Uh, it, if you know me, you know you ought to pray for me, amen? Uh, I don't know the difference between doctor types and all that kind of stuff. I, I, I don't know a whole lot. And you just say, my goodness, we need to pray for that guy. Yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you do. Preacher, you know some of the things that come out of your mouth? Yes, I do. I need y'all to pray for me. Okay? Um, but here's what I want to give you. The main thing, though, is the gospel. And here's, here's where I'll end tonight. Here again, pray as the gospel is given. Because here's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3. But if our gospel, and the gospel means what? Good news. That's right. The gospel means good news. And that's what I was looking for. It's good news, folks. And that, we, I believe it's, that's, we have good news. We have a good news culture at this church because it's based on the gospel. Uh, it's, uh, but, but, but the gospel and the gospel, the good news is, is that Jesus loved you enough to die on the cross for you. He was buried. He rose again the third day. But listen to this. If our, if our gospel be hid, hid, it is hid to them that are, you want to hear a sad word? Lost. Lost. People are lost. They're trying to find something in this world, but they're lost. Because nothing they find helps them to arrive at home. They, they know that there's still a way. They, they know that they're still missing something. People try to religion and they're still lost. It is hid to them that are lost. Listen to this. In whom the lowercase g God, the God of this world, which is referring to Satan, that Satan hath blinded, Ralph, the minds. The minds. The way you think. Your thoughts. Blinded the minds of them in, that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. So in other words, pray for me. Why? And, pray for, and we need to all pray as we share the gospel. But the gospel is hidden. And what comes to mind when the gospel is preached? I bet I could get some testimony tonight. I could tell you for me... When I first understood the gospel and that light started shining in my heart, Katie, one of the things I thought to myself was uh, I felt the Lord drawing me 
I felt the Lord speaking to me. I knew something. I'm like, this, okay, I, I get this. For the first time ever, I've always kind of known about this stuff, but I feel like I'm kind of getting it. And I'm getting it, I'm getting it. And then Anna, all of a sudden, I just thought to myself, the mind, next weekend. Next weekend, uh, or after next weekend, I, I, I want to just put it off a little bit. Man, I'm glad I didn't, by the way. Uh, and I'm glad my friend that was sitting there with me said, man, are you crazy? He said, we need to get saved right now, today. You know, I was in, God's word for salvation is today. And so I'm glad, but I, I, bet, I bet every one of you could testify of something that came in your mind that, I mean, the, the, the light of God's glorious truth had come into your heart. And, and, and the Lord's leading you and the Spirit of God's convicting you and, and, and you're beginning to turn to Him and then all of a sudden something comes in. Well, wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Not so fast. Because Satan's had his grips on you. He wants to destroy your life. He wants to take you to hell. And I'm telling you, he'll try to blind your mind. But here's the good news. Here's what the Bible says in verse 6. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. In other words, even though we're in darkness, even though the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which are lost, the Bible says God will speak. And when it says there, for God who commanded the light shine out of darkness, how did He do that? How did God command the light shine out of darkness? He spoke. Let there be light. And God speaks to our hearts today and says, let there be light. And He turns a light on in your heart and he lets you begin to see your need for him. And then it's just childlike faith. Lord, I believe you. I put my faith and my trust in you. Just that simple. And man, you talk about God said, let there be light. And I'm telling you, there's a lot started happening after that. Amen. And so as we all stand tonight and Danny comes to the piano if he's able to. Looks like he's got things under control there. So... Yeah, Barb, you can come on if that's all right. Whatever needs to be done. But I just want to—I just want to give you a moment tonight. And I said that we were going to have altar prayer here at the end of the service tonight, and we're going to do that. But before we do, I just want to uh, give a give an invitation, and and then we'll come pray together anyhow. But just to be real clear, as Barb, you can start playing whenever you're ready. If the Lord has shined light into your heart tonight, if perhaps you've heard that still small voice and. And you realize that, wow, the Lord is calling me. The Lord is leading me. I ask you today, just believe. He said, preacher, I'm not sure what to do. Here's what the Bible says. It says, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Are you willing to believe tonight? And then it goes on to say this, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I ask you this tonight, if you don't know Christ as Savior, would you be willing from your heart to call on Him tonight? Just right where you are. You don't have to say anything out loud even, but from your heart, do you believe? With your mouth, would you be willing right now? Wouldn't you, just, wouldn't you like to end this whole lost business? Have your sins forgiven? Know Christ, know your Savior, know your Creator. If so, you could pray this prayer from your heart tonight. Are you ready? Here it is. Dear Lord Jesus, I 
Right now, I want to thank you for letting me hear your word, hear your voice. And Jesus, I do believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I do believe that you rose again the third day. And Lord, right now in this moment, I turn to you and I ask you to come into my heart and my life and to be my Lord and my Savior. Lord Jesus, I believe you and I believe in the cross. And Lord, I want to thank you because based on your word, you said you'd save me if I'd call on your name. Therefore, I don't ask for a sign. I don't ask for a feeling, Lord, but I claim your word tonight. Thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul. At this time, let's, let's all come, all those that was with the prayers that we had earlier. If you'd like to come and we'll close out in a word.